G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Amazing how quickly Tuesday rolls around and I know that there are listeners who hold out for this conversation each week so they can get an update on what's happening in the Middle East as things affect the nation of Israel. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday already. It is. It flies around so quickly. Ron, uh, significant headlines to draw attention to, uh, and one that you can fill us in these details. Syria, warning of serious repercussions following a successful Israeli airstrike near Damascus. Yeah, this is a a very uh, severe warning to what the future may hold. The Syrian army has warned of dangerous consequences following an airstrike by Israel on a regime SA-5 anti-aircraft battery east of the capital of Damascus after the Syrians fired a service-to-air missile at Israeli jets. Syria's Sena State News Agency reported that the Assad regime warned of the dangerous repercussions of Israel's repeated aggression attempts, stressing Syria's determination to continue its war against the terrorist groups, Israel's arm in the region. According to Sena, the Syrian air defense directly hit one of the jets, forcing the Israeli enemy to retreat, which contradicts Israel's military claims that all planes returned safely from the operation. The SA-5 missile battery, which was stationed 50 kilometers east of Damascus, fired at the Israeli jets, which were on a routine aerial reconnaissance flight in Lebanese airspace, IDF spokesman Brigadier General Ronan Manila stated. Israel believes that the Syrians fired towards the Israeli jets at 10 a.m. Monday morning after thinking they intended to attack. All Israeli aircraft returned to base safely and a few hours later responded by launching four bombs towards the same battery, destroying it. Now, this is raising considerable concerns, and I'm aware that there's a meeting uh, in Jerusalem uh, within the next 48 hours with members of the Russian uh, government uh, who play a major role in protecting uh, uh, Syria's interests, uh, particularly those of Bashar al-Assad. And I would think that they would be seriously concerned if Israel chooses to become uh, more aggressive. Abigdor Lieberman, the Israel Defense Minister, said in a statement, we will not interfere in Syria's internal affairs, but on the other hand, we will not allow Iran and Hezbollah to turn Syria into a forward outpost against Israel, and we will not allow the transfer of sophisticated weapons from Iran through Syria to Lebanon. So it's on full alert. It's all very, very complex, and no doubt we'll be talking more about tensions there between Israel and Syria, and with all of those other 
uh, extras in the picture does make things very complicated. Uh, Ron, another complication that's going on, uh, let's talk about the Palestinians. Uh, There was some recent reconciliation talks between Hamas and Fatah last week in Egypt, but now Hamas has blasted the Palestinian Authority President Abbas for not lifting sanctions placed on Gaza. What's the story there? Yeah, I think I've said in the past the reconciliation's not worth the paper it's written on. But Hamas officials yesterday slammed Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas for not lifting sanctions he placed on the Gaza Strip, despite the reconciliation talks between Hamas and Fatah advancing uh, the signing of an agreement uh, negotiated in Egypt. Over the past five months, Abbas has gradually slashed the Palestinian Authority budget allocated to Gaza for electricity, medical supplies and other purposes in order to put pressure on Hamas to give up control. The failure of the Palestinian Authority President Abbas to respond affirmatively to the popular and national demands to cancel his arbitrary measures against our people in Gaza is unjustifiable and a clear denial of the demands of reconciliation, Hamas spokesman Fozi Bahum uh, said on his Twitter account. He said Abbas must bear responsibility for exacerbating the people's suffering and the crisis. And so uh, the, 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 the disruption goes on. Uh, Ron, always love your attention to new archaeological discoveries, uh, whether it's ruins or artefacts. Well, now there's an amazing discovery to report a massive section of the Western Wall and a Roman theatre uncovered from something like 1,700 years ago. What's this discovery about? Yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time. And they've been looking for it for 150 years. The remarkable discovery of the small theatre changes archaeologists' perceptions of Roman-conquered Jerusalem after the fall of the Second Temple. Archaeologists are one step closer to solving the riddle of what took place in Jerusalem following the destruction of the city by Romans in 70 CE. While excavating a massive eight-metre-deep section of Jerusalem's western wall, unseen for, as you say, 1,700 years, Israel Antiquity Authority archaeologists unexpectedly discovered a small Roman theatre located under the Wilson Arch. At a subterranean press conference yesterday in the western wall tunnel complex, archaeologist Dr Joe Uziel Tahila Lieberman and Dr. Arby Solomon contextualised the discovery of the theatre structure as a never-before-seen window into daily public life in the newly Roman-conquered city. They said the discovery of the theatre-like structure is a real drama. In the 1860s, British surveyor and archaeologist Charles William Wilson was the first to seek such a theatre in the vicinity of the Western Wall. The small 200 to 300 seat theatre, whose existence is noted by Josephus and other ancient sources, but which has eluded Jerusalem excavations for some 150 years, is the first example of a Roman public building, archaeologists said.
Well, an exciting story. Let's draw some attention to some USA Jewish uh, UN politics. Right after the USA and Israel spoke about leaving UNESCO, a French Jewish woman has been elected the UNESCO chief and proposing some changes, Ron. Yes, she's very closely related with friends in Israel. The former French culture minister, uh, Audrey Azalou, became the next Director General of the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. Azalou defended candidates or defeated candidates from Iraq, Lebanon, Egypt, and finally Qatari diplomat Hamad bin Abdulaziz al-Kawari, who has been accused of endorsing, encouraging, sponsoring, and supporting projects and programs with blatant anti-Semitic content. The final vote took place just one day after the USA and Israel had decided to leave UNESCO over its anti-Israel bias. Azaleh, 45, who was born in Paris to a Moroccan Jewish family, said after her election that at this time of crisis, I think we need more than ever to work on the UNESCO organization to support, strengthen the organization and to make changes, not to leave it. After the vote, as I said, my first action will be to restore the agency's credibility and the confidence of member states in its ability to confront the challenges that only UNESCO can face. Let's draw some attention to a Christian media summit that is being held in Jerusalem. And the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, one of the guest speakers there, and there's real connections here because, as some listeners will know, Vision Tours has the largest tour ever that's gone into Israel, That uh, certainly largest for Vision, because of the upcoming Charge of the Light Horse 100-year anniversary. But just ahead of that, a couple of our guys, uh, the Warbies, Ian and Mandy, have been able to go to the Christian Media Summit and hear Benjamin Netanyahu speak. Uh, he's said some pretty amazing things there, Ron. He praised the crowd of Christian tourists last Sunday night for being Israel's best friends. As you say, he was addressing the Christian Media Summit at Jerusalem's Israel Museum. He said Israel has no better friends in the world than the Christian communities around the world. And Israel is the one country in a vast region where Christians not only survive, they thrive. Thank you for standing with Israel, the Prime Minister added. We are all deeply grateful. Many Christians from around the world have been in Israel over the last two weeks, as you say, to celebrate the most recent Jewish holiday of Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Benjamin Netanyahu also took the opportunity to talk about the plight of Christians living under the Islamic Republic of Iran. Christians are brutally persecuted in the Islamic Republic. Pastors are jailed for no reason other than their being Christian leaders. Christians have been lashed for sipping wine during prayer services. Christians have been brutally tortured for doing nothing more than just practicing their faith. The regime in Tehran has also been a target of criticism for particularly trampling on the rights of converts to Christianity who are often viewed as apostates. Netanyahu told, uh, Netanyahu told the attendees of the Christian Media Summit that he refuses to overlook the, outgoing, the ongoing predicament for Christians in Iran. Some world leaders are willing to ignore this repression and seek to appease Iran, but I'm not one of them. So today I have a simple request for the media people in this room. 
dedicate this week to highlighting the plight of the countless Christians who are suffering in Iran uh, under persecution. And Ron, it's not just uh, the Prime Minister of Israel who's saying that Christians are facing severe persecution. There's a new study uh, which is showing persecution of Christians is on a dramatic and disturbing rise. Yeah, the persecution of Christians is today worse than at any time in history. Speaking at the launch of a persecuted and forgotten by aid to the church in need, the study's co-author John Pontifex told Premier Christianity it's on the brink of being wiped out in certain countries. He said we've got a ticking time bomb going on here in that Christians in certain parts of the world haven't got very much time left for their situation to be resolved. The ticking bomb is particularly expressed in the extent to which there's a migration of Christians. In, uh, in Iraq, there were 1.2 million Christians 15 years ago. Now there are just 200,000 left. If that rate of decline continues, what we're going to see is an end of Christianity in the foreseeable future in that region. His claim was supported by Archbishop Issam John Darwish, Bishop of Zali in Lebanon, who was one of the four speakers invited to the charities event at the House of Lords to give personal accounts of Christian persecution in their countries. He said the number of Christians in the Middle East is declining because so many have fled. He added, we urge Syrians and especially Christians to return to their homeland. We ask that Western governments stop facilitating the immigration of Christians from the Middle East. The report also said that the scale of persecution against Christians in China, Egypt, Eritrea, India, Iran, Iraq, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria and Turkey had worsened in overall terms between 2015 and 2017 than within the preceding two years. The report highlighted the point that it's now or never to save Christians from persecution. Well, these are sobering thoughts, Ron, and for those listening and wondering about a particular prayer point or two for the day, you've just delivered some very, very important information, and it should be a an inspiration for Christian believers to be on their knees, knowing that there are brothers and sisters in the world who are... Uh, victims of what is now a rising and disturbing trend in Christian persecution. Ron Ross, always appreciate your insights, uh, the choice of those headlines from overnight, the way that you deliver them so uh, eloquently, and uh, really appreciate you taking time to be with us again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.